G-Man Choi could be the new first baseman. He just can't be the only one. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that I hope you'll check out. I was quick and pretty much dismissive of the Choi trade when it occurred late last week. And honestly, I'm going to stand by that until I see something that proves me wrong in that category because I just don't see the pattern that you'd want to see in pursuing the greatest position of need for the organization at the major league level. Not their only position, but their greatest position. And to watch Ben Charrington and the baseball ops just kind of snap their finger and say, hey, here's our guy, all done, now what? It just comes with an uncomfortable feel, okay? Allow me that feel in light of what we've seen over the first three years of this management and their, parentheses, lack of, and parentheses, prioritizing the Pittsburgh roster. Now, that can be interpreted as, wow, no, this isn't the guy, but it actually could be the guy without overstating it, without closing the book on continuing to add at that position uh, or DH, which can be the same position. And by the way, was very much Charrington's intent last offseason when he added Daniel Vogel back to Yoshi Tsutsugo and, and Yoshi obviously didn't work out at all, and Vogelback was sent to the Mets in a trade. Choi can be okay, maybe better than okay, if he rises up from a scenario in which there are multiple options. At the moment, there are not multiple options, and I want to make it clear that my dissatisfaction is with this process being like, that's it. Choi can defend. There's no one anywhere who'd question that he can play the position. All of his metrics suggest so. Everything with the eye test involving his work with the Rays would suggest so. The concern is offensive, and it's twofold. One is that he's never really shown much power, and you obviously want power out of the first base position. That's one thing about the game that has not changed since the dawn of it. The other is that he did have the big, and I do mean big, drop-off in production in the second half of last season. You can say what you want about anybody slumping and about anybody being prone to a slump, including the guy that I'd been suggesting for a while now, Josh Bell. Bell himself with San Diego after he went over from Washington in the trade midseason last year, went into a really lousy slump from which he not really emerged in the playoffs. And sorry, but I'm going to give Tampa Bay's management the benefit of the doubt when they allow Choi to just walk away, as they did, rather than tendering him a simple arbitration contract that would have guaranteed him something in the range of $4 million to $5 million. Even the Rays are happy to pay that much if they believe you're going to produce. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. So if Choi comes into Bradenton and shows well, and he looks like he's the first baseman, and no one else really does anything, he's going to be given, and I do mean given, the job, no matter what it is that he does. This is my worry. It's anointing someone. That's exactly what it is. There needs to be more added to it. Could the Pirates be right that he'll benefit hugely from the shift? Yes, they really could. And that is one variable that you're going to hear me talking about a lot this winter. It's something that I've already mentioned from a systemic standpoint. If you can get players to repeat this thing that I've been talking about, to hit where they would normally hit without worrying slash adjusting for the shift or without uh, picking their pitch selection based on fear of the shift, then sure, Choi's got a lot of those hallmarks. Most players do, beware of this, but Choi was almost 250 points better from a batting average perspective whenever he wasn't hitting into the shift. However, he did hit into the shift 84% of the time, which is to say that's the percentage of the time that he was actually facing a shift. That's a lot. But that also tells you that the other guys knew he couldn't do it any other way. And since Choi isn't exactly the fastest guy, as you're going to see with your own eyes, he's not going to offer the same kind of threat from contact to all fields that, say, Jiwon Bay might or does. So let's not overstate the shift thing. Let's not overstate even the potentially positive impact of the contact that he produces or the on-base percentage that he tends to produce. He does draw walks. He is patient. He will find a way to get to first. But does anything or everything that I'm describing here sound to you like a first baseman? Sound to you like the first baseman? Sound to you like the answer to the position at which you had the greatest need or the first slash easiest thing that came along? That's that's what I'm getting at here. Keep trying. Keep adding. To Charrington's credit, he did say upon Choi's acquisition over the weekend that this isn't necessarily it, that they are looking at first base slash DH continuing. And they should because you know what? They still don't have one of the other position yet either. When we come back, J1Q. Mick, 
who asks, DK, you would have the stats to confirm or refute this, but I've noticed that in the comment sections underneath Daily Shot of Pirates that their episodes often have a lot of comments even compared to Steelers and Penguins who are both in season for a podcast that covers a languishing baseball team in the middle of November. I've often been of the opinion that there's more fan engagement and interaction after a Steelers loss, for example, because the fan base likes to complain. What is it that explains people commenting on the Daily Shot of Pirates and which one of the three Daily Shots averages the most downloads? Okay, Mick, I I have a a handful of things to say about this. This is something I can actually do like an hour-long dissertation on, which would bore everybody to tears, so I won't do that, obviously. Daily Shot of Pirates has, a, by my own feel, as opposed to some kind of hard metrics here, maybe the most durable audience that we have of the three. It is not the largest. It is the smallest. It's not the smallest by a bunch, and it's definitely not the smallest whenever it's in season. But I get the same sense from the listeners to this show on a day-to-day basis, both in terms of comments and feel, as I do with the actual metrics, meaning it's the same number, you know, on a very, 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 very predictable pattern. It just is. It's the same number. Uh, You'll occasionally see a spike whenever it's Derek Shelton doing something wacky with his bullpen or pulling Mitch Keller out an inning too early or something to that effect. But for the most part, it's a really steady group. And it's also the only one, I should say, that I hear from on on a regular basis, like yourself, that expresses interest in this sort of thing and that seems uh, to feel compelled to say, I listen to Daily Shot of Pirates, too. I want you to know. I, I mean, I, I listen to the other two, of course, but I also listen to the Pirates, even though I dot, 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 something, something, nutting. <laughs> There's a lot of that that goes with this particular Daily Shot. Um, there's a lot of uh, a sense of angst and having to explain oneself. Um I got to be honest with you, of the three, first of all, let me answer your actual question. The Daily Shot of Steelers is miles ahead. It's become a a, a freak thing, uh, particularly as it relates to our outside channels, meaning our shows are all available on DK Pittsburgh Sports, on the DK Pittsburgh Sports app. And I can tell from the way that you're asking this question, plus I'm familiar with you, that you're asking this principally based on how it does on our own app. Our own app accounts for a significant fraction of the listenership, but it's not its not everything because this is also available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. It's available everywhere. And the overall numbers, again, really favor the Steelers and the Penguins when they're in season occasionally will even top uh, the Steelers. The Penguins will have really, really good numbers around the playoffs. The Pirates just keep chugging, and I feel like in doing all three of these shows every day, how do I put this without offending anybody who's listening only to the other two? Uh, I feel like I've developed the, the strongest rapport with 
this particular group in large part because there's just not that much out there. And I'm hearing all the time from people who say, really? Like you do it every day? What about when they're not playing? No, no, no. Like, yeah, every day means every day. And the the commitment that I have to doing Daily Shot of Pirates is, let's just say I, I hear a lot more about that from Pirates fans than I do from the other two. It's appreciated without overstating its importance because it's not important. It's just a podcast. Anyway, I hope that answers it. If anybody has anything else to that effect, I'm happy to go with that as well. I appreciate everyone And I mean this, listening to Daily Shot of Pirates, and we will do another one of these tomorrow.